Uh, we're going to be <clears throat> not in the book of 1 John. We're going to be in the book of John. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, we're going to be uh, taking a look this morning. Uh, we're going to take a break from our study in 1 John. And we're going to take a look at the love of God this morning in a fresh way, I hope. I want to consider um, today, next two Sundays, Pastor Drew and I will be focusing the messages on the gift of Christ found in the Gospel of John. We're very familiar with the Christmas account of Christ's coming in the book of, books of Matthew and Luke. And we want to consider the announcement of Christ's birth in the Gospel of John over the next couple Sundays. And so as we begin today, I want to ask a question, and that question is, what is the most significant gift you have ever received? What is the most significant gift you have ever received? Maybe for you it was an expensive, a, an expensive gift, a costly gift. Uh, Maybe a gift like the advertisers want us to believe are most important to give, that expensive piece of jewelry or a, or a car. Maybe your gift wasn't an expensive gift, but it was an unexpected gift. Now, Vicki and I think often and speak often about the gift you gave to us five years ago and the trip that you gave to us to Israel. What an unexpected gift that continues to impact our lives and to bear fruit in our lives, and hopefully in both our ministry and in our marriage, a, a gift for which we are grateful. Uh, maybe... Uh, maybe the gift uh, you received was not material. Instead, it was much more personal. M maybe it was the gift of forgiveness. The gift of forgiveness maybe from a spouse or maybe a parent that followed a horrible failure. That gift where you had made a decision that you regret to this day, but you found forgiveness. Or maybe it was the gift of a friendship when you found yourself being alone and discouraged or, or down. And, and maybe someone, maybe it was literally or figuratively, they came alongside you. They put their arm around you. They supported you in that period when you found yourself absolutely alone. And it felt like everything and everyone was against you. Maybe your gift was a long... Um, coveted gift that you wanted and hoped for. I remember as a, I don't know, I was 9, 10, or 11 years old, uh, I, I had aspirate, I mean, you didn't have to understand, I was a beanpole kid. I mean, I was like skinny as skinny came, right? And, um, and I, I had aspirations of, of being a force in the Canadian Football League, right? And so I, 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 do you remember those days of the Sears Roebuck magazine? Right, like a thick as a phone book. You still remember what a phone book is? Right? <clears throat> and so I had this Sears Roebuck magazine, and I would look through it, and I would find that 110-pound weight set. Man, I coveted that weight set. I thought, man, I'm going to go to the basement. I'm going to work out. I'm going to lift weights. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on weight. And I have, but not here. <laughs> Just here. But, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be that force. I'm going to be the wrecking machine in Canada. And I remember the day I was sitting at the breakfast table, or at the kitchen table eating breakfast, and my dad walked through the kitchen lugging this box all wrapped up, and he was straining, and, and I just knew it. 
I had the 110-pound weight set coming my way on Christmas morning, and maybe your gift is that, uh, that long-coveted gift. What is the most significant gift you have ever received? Now, today I want us to, to consider what is probably the best-known verse in all of Scripture. Most likely it's, it's the first verse you memorized. It's the verse that we most often appeal to when we're sharing the gospel, the good news with someone. And that verse is none other than John 3.16. Today we're going to consider the love of God. You know, when we come into the season of Christmas, the season where we celebrate the birth of Christ, oftentimes the, the birth of Christ is eclipsed by everything else. But there is a great emphasis on love. Right? We, we speak of charity. The gifts of charity. This week, you know, the media in the Dallas-Fort Worth area made much about Ezekiel Elliott's $50,000 gift of charity to the Salvation Army Red Kettle Drive. We're asked to make gifts of charity to all kinds of organizations during this time of year. And today we're going to consider the charity, the, the love of God, not of mankind's love to man, but the love of God to mankind. Many times we question the love of God. We'll say things like this, or we've heard people say things like this. If, if God is so loving, why then does he allow? Other times, the, the quality of God's love is doubted. Yeah, God loves me, but... Today I want us to slow down, and I want us to meditate and ponder on this well-known verse and to consider what the love of God is like. The wonders of God. When Vicky and I were dating and I knew I wanted to marry her, she was still not convinced about wanting to marry me, but we went and purchased a, an engagement ring. Now, I, I'm embarrassed to say this. I was like, what was most important is affordability, right? Uh, <laughs> that should have been a clue to Vicky before she said yes. I was like, all he cares about is the bottom line. This is going to be a life of misery. And, um, and so uh, I, I purchased the affordable ring, and she graciously um, said yes. And we are married now, what, 34 years, I think, right? And our son, our oldest son, when he got married, and he was planning on proposing to Emily, which, by the way, tonight we're going to go over to their house in Dallas. They're going to have our gender reveal party tonight, so we're going to be grandparents, so excited about that. But anyways, Tyler, when the time came for Tyler... Uh, to uh, plan to, I mean, he, man, he took Vicky to the jewelry store. He took his, the future mother-in-law to the jewelry store. I mean, they're looking at this ring, and, and they're figuring out, and, and it, was like, it was like the wonder of wonders for them. This morning, I want us to come to this verse, this verse that we have memorized, we've heard, we've, we've shared with people, and I just want us to can slow down again and consider again the wonders of God's love. Man, I just get choked up just thinking about that. John 3.16. I want to set the context. I'm going to read a couple verses before, a couple verses after, just so we can kind of catch it. Jesus is meeting with Nicodemus, one of the leading Pharisees in Jerusalem. 
he has questions about Jesus. He's been hearing about Jesus. He's been hearing the teachings. He's been hearing these reports of these miracles. And he needs to know who this guy is. And so he meets with Jesus at night. And, and he has his questions. And Jesus turns the questions and he begins to talk about eternal life. In verse 14, Jesus is finishing up the conversation. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And remember, this is the purpose for John's writing, right? Uh, the gospel, John chapter 20, verse 31, I've written these things so that you might believe in him, the Son of God, and by believing, you might have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And so let's consider this, e this morning the wonders of, of God's love. First, consider with me the first, wonder I wanted, the first wonder I want us to consider is the expression of God's love. For God so loved. You know, as, uh, as I said a minute ago, the love of God is oftentimes doubted, questioned, misunderstood, oftentimes it's ignored. And yet the Bible declares for us in several different places that God is love. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, we know that God is love. It's not the only attribute of God, nor is it the most important attribute of God, but it is certainly a true attribute of God, that God is love. And we know that God's love is most clearly seen and expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. And yet in what ways does God express his love? Let me just share with you a uh, four ways in which God expresses his love to all mankind, that the first expression is through what we call a common grace. There is beauty, there is happiness, there is joy, bounty, success, blessing in a world despite of all the tragedy, the heartache, the injustice, the corruption that, that seems to flow throughout this world. In the midst of this world of brokenness, there is the beauty. God bestows common grace on people. He gives happiness to people. Jesus spoke about this common grace in Matthew chapter 5 verse 44 and 45. Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the just and the, uh, on the righteous and the unrighteous. And here we see that God blesses all of mankind and through daily expressions, it's, it's God who is loving his world by giving these blessings into our lives. In Acts chapter 14, when Paul was on his first missionary journey into the southern part of Galatia, southern Turkey, um, Paul was making this argument, yet he has not left himself without testimony. That is, God has not left himself without a testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. The, the blessing of 
of creation being bountiful, the blessing of meeting all of our needs, the blessing of filling our hearts with joy. Those are expressions of God's love. Let's not miss that. Let's just not relegate God to God's love to just something that he did at the cross. Let's begin to recognize that, that God's blessing flows. His love is demonstrated to us daily. But not only does God express his love through common grace, he also expresses his love through mercy and compassion. Mercy and compassion. We see this in the ministry of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, the Bible says that Jesus saw the city of Jerusalem and he wept over it. He saw the city, the people. And knowing what lay ahead, not only for himself but for his people, he wept. He was moved with compassion. Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he says, And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a shepherd without, or like sheep without a shepherd. This week I was, I was listening to a sermon by uh, uh, Paul Tripp and and he was, a message he was bringing on that God is both able and he is willing to help. And it was just a good reminder this week as I listened to that message about the nature and the heart of God. That he is both willing and he is able. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah spoke about God's relationship with the nation of Israel. And he says, I will tell of the kindness of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised. According to all that the Lord has done for us, yes, the many good things he has done for Israel. According to his compassion and many kindnesses. He said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, listen to this, in all their distress, in all of Israel's distress, the Lord too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy he redeemed them, he lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. The prophet says that the loving kindness of God is new every once in a while. Right? You guys with me? <laughs> the loving kindness of God is new when? Every morning. The goodness, the compassion, the kindness, the many kindnesses, God says. Many kindness. Psalm 145, the psalmist declares, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. One way that God expresses his loving kindness is through common grace. And another way is that God expresses his love by having compassion on all of us. John MacArthur at one time asked Bill Gaither what was the most important lyric ever composed. And his response to MacArthur's question, Gaither replied, immediately he replied, I wish I could sing it. I can't. If you guys know it, you guys can just sing it in your head. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe? scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched stretch from sky to sky <laughs> oh love of God how rich and pure you guys know what you guys help me you guys <laughs> I don't want to sing a solo up here do you guys know this song 
O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Pardon me? Oh, we are sing- oh we're singing this song at the end? Okay, well, there we go. I thought we were singing a different song, but it- great. All right. <clears throat> the first verse goes like this. The love of God is greater, than f- greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star, reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. The mercy, the compassion, the kindness of God. The third way that God expresses his love, he expresses his love through words of warning. When Jesus was here on this earth, there was a a tragedy that happened. A tower had fallen and many innocent people died tragically. And the people came and they asked questions like to do whenever there was a tragedy. and said, why did this happen? And Jesus responded to their question with this, uh, by asking a question. He says, do you think that you're more righteous than these who died? His answer, I tell you, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And he gives to us these words, words of warning, reminding us that we must turn to him. Unless we turn to him, we too will perish. That, that there's a, the greatest act of love is, is not to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear, but to speak the word of love, to give that word of warning. And another expression of God's love is through discipline. The writer of Hebrew quoting, writing of the writer of the book of Hebrews uh, quotes the Old Testament. He says, the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? This past Tuesday, I was, uh, I was reading on this verse and just meditating on it. Here's the background, right? Vicky's car needed an oil change, and so I, I called and made an appointment. And I asked for the 7 o'clock appointment. We bought a Toyota from a Honda dealership, right? So I called the Honda dealership, and I, I scheduled the appointment to, uh, well, at first I called the Toyota dealership, and they told me it was going to be $576 to change the oil. I go, $576? What? <laughs> oh, oh, we're giving you the 60,000-mile uh, tune-up thing or whatever it was. I don't know. Checkup. Or what, I, and so I just need an oil change and tires rotated. And so I called the Honda place, and, and they said, yeah, we can come in tomorrow morning. Seven, I said, what's the earliest appointment? Because 7 o'clock, I said, I'll be there. Give me the 7 o'clock appointment. So I'm 7 o'clock. I'm 6.45. I'm at, the, I'm at the garage. I'm the first person in queue, man. I'm, I'm there early. I mean, this is, which Vicky's going, man, after 34, 34 years of marriage, finally he's early. And uh, so I'm there. I'm in queue and roll in the, in the thing when they open the doors. And I said, how long is it going to take? It's about 30, 40 minutes. I said, great. He goes, but you're the first one up. You're the first one out. I said, oh, man, this is great. And uh, about 7.40, the guy walks into the waiting room, and he goes, hey, we've got bra- bad news. I go, okay, what's the bad news? Uh, we don't have an oil filter. And so we're going um, to have to order the oil filter from O'Reilly's or someplace, and so they're going to send the O'Reilly. And, and I'm, no, I'm reading this verse here, right? And, and my thoughts are, I, I forgot I'm making the point about the verse, right? So the point of the, about the verse is I'm reading this verse here, and it says endure hardship. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, I... You know, do, do I experience the discipline of God? And I just I have this thought going through my head. Am I experiencing, do I ever experience the discipline of God? Just because, I mean, just life just, I, should, I have to be careful, right? But I just feel like God has blessed us in so many ways. And so, um, 
like, I mean, just minor inconveniences in life, right? Endure hardship as a child of God because God disciplines those he loves. And so I, I'm, I'm having this question, and then this technician guy walks in and goes, oh, we don't have an oil filter. And I say, okay, well, he goes, but it'll be here 30 minutes. Good thing is this, is everything is done. All we have to do is put the oil filter on. You're out the door. Okay, 30 minutes, that's not bad. 8.20, he comes in to help another guy. He said, hey, how are we doing on the oil change? He goes, I'll be back in a few minutes. 10 minutes later, I, <laughs> I'm standing at the window, and I, I see the car. It's up in the air. I see three mechanics standing underneath my car. And one of them has a, his tool, his wrench. He's like spinning it around like a baton. <laughs> I'm thinking, 9 o'clock, they finally lower the car, roll it out. I'm not, even sure I, I'm not sure I even had the oil changed on it. I'm not sure what happened to it. But anyways, two hours later, just frustrated. What's the point? I don't know what the point is. <laughs> I have it in my notes here. The point is this, is that God oftentimes disciplines us through, or uh, love, expresses his love through discipline. Endure hardship as a child of God because he disciplines those whom he loves. Many ways in which God expresses his love. Let's not forget the ways in which he does love us. Second, consider with me the object of God's love. The second wonder, the second wonder of God's love is the object of God's love. For God so loved the world. There are some who try to limit the application of this word, the world, to the world of God's elect. For God so loved the world of the elect. And there is truth that God, the saving, the effects of God's saving love upon his elect is wonderful and great, but I do not believe that this is an accurate or correct interpretation of this verse here. And if you just read down in verse 19, Jesus, or the Gospel of John says this, this is the verdict, light has come into the what? The world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 10, in chapter 1, verse 10, John writes about the coming of Christ, and he says, um, he was in the world, that is, Jesus Christ was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The world here references not the elect, but to all of humanity through all of time, to those who would receive him and to those who would reject him. The, this is the object of God's love. Not only does, do some people try to limit the, the object of God's love and say, well, this is just the ob, you know, God just has love for, special love for the elect. No, God loves all of mankind. There are others who try to exclude themselves outside of God's love. They'll recognize that God loves the world, but their objection, it goes something like this. Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. You, you don't know what has happened to me. I'm damaged goods. I'm, a, I'm kryptonite. There's no way that God can love me the way he loves others. And so again, we have to allow the word of God to, to speak to us. Who does God love? God loves the world. God loves you. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the rule of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient, 
All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And this is our condition. All of us, the best and the worst alike, were dead. The favored, the unfavored, were dead. The successful, those who are at the bottom, were dead. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you are saved. Did you see the motive of God? Because of his great, the word there for great is because of his mega love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, he has made us alive, those of us who were dead. And just this week, I was meditating on, on this verse, just thinking about it. You notice, he said, you were dead in your transgression and sins. God, who is rich in his mercy, made you alive through Christ. As I was meditating on this verse, I was thinking, well, there's other, maybe some other descriptions that I think are as true as the description that Paul used here. Instead of dead, what if we use the word lost? As for you, you were lost in your transgressions and sins, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, searched and rescued for you and rescued you through Christ that even when you were lost in your transgressions, it has been by grace you're saved. Or what if we use the word lawless, that word that we used last Sunday in the message, as for you, you were lawless in your transgressions and sins, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy reconciled, reconciled us with Christ even when we were rebelling lawlessly in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Do not doubt today that God loves you. We've been praying for the unreached people groups of the world. God loves the Tumari, Kanari people of Nigeria and the Shinua people of Algeria and the Israeli Jews of Israel. But he also loves you of Fort Worth, Texas. Let's not miss that. Consider with me, third, of the extent of God's love. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now think about that. For God so Loved the world. That, that word so can be understood in a couple of ways. It could be used to describe an extent. Like when we come to our children, we say, well, how big was it? They go, man, it was so big. Or they'll say, how, how much does daddy love you? Daddy loves me this much. It can also be used to refer to the demonstration of love. We could say in this way. God loved the world in this way. How did God love the world? He loved the world by giving his only begotten son. Monogenes. Genes. We get our word genetics. Mono, one. God gave his only one, his only unique, one-of-a-kind son, his beloved son. And giving his son speaks of the sacrifice that God made. Giving his son is not like giving a, 
a gift that a child, you know, a child will take a toy that he doesn't play with anymore. He wraps them up and gives them to his brother at Christmas time. That's not the kind of gift that God gave. God gave his only one, his unique, his only begotten son. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God, Paul picks that up in Titus chapter 3. He says, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. The love of God isn't just a sentimental thought, it's a person. When the love of God, Jesus Christ, appeared, he saved us. And Romans 8 assures us that this act of God's love, his gift, the gift of his son, guarantees all other gifts. Romans 8, 32 he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? This is the wonder of God's love, the extent of his love. And so notice with me quickly the fourth, and that is the response to God's love. Notice what the word of God says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him. It's not enough for you and I to know about the love of Christ. The love that God demonstrated in giving us his one and only son. It calls for a response. And that response is wrapped up in that single word belief. That the reformers, the Protestant reformers, they, they would, they helped us understand the whole idea of what it means to believe in this one and only son whom God gave Three requirements of belief. The first one is that the belief requires knowledge. We might say truth. There must be an encounter of truth. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. That you and I, we're not, God's love doesn't become real to us because of, we have faith in faith. No, our faith, our belief must be in the one whom God gave, and is to know. But belief requires not only something that we give knowledge or have knowledge of, it requires faith. Belief is expressed in faith or a trust. It's we come to rely upon the one whom we believe. His virgin birth, his sinless life, his substitutionary death, his, his glorious resurrection. We trust in all this. We rely on this. And the Bible says that when we come to know the love of God, we, we believe on it. We, we, we respond to it by faith. And then belief requires commitment. And this is the result of faith. This is the expression of faith. Romans chapter 1, verse 5, 16, 23, Romans talks about the obedience of faith. That, that faith isn't just, well, something that we just verbalize. It's demonstrated in the trajectory of our lives that we're no longer going against Christ. We are now walking with Christ. This is the reality of faith. 
And this is the response that God's love calls for, is that we would believe on him. Finally, consider with me the outcome of God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. Will not, be, will not perish, will not be destroyed, will not suffer eternal damnation. The one who responds to the love of God by believing in the one whom God has sent will not perish but have everlasting life. There's no other way to life. And we sang it in one of the songs, the, the life and light of God appeared. There is no other way to have life. It is only through his son. Is there anything more wondrous than the gift of God's love? Could we, with ink, the ocean fill, and were the skies a parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. The wonder of God's love. As we pause and we just slow down this, moment, this morning to think about the love of God, I imagine that for most of us here, none of this is new. The question then is, what shall we do, what must we do with this gift that was given? The first response is you must receive God's love. You receive it by faith, by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you, I ask you, I urge you, I implore you that this is the greatest gift. This is the gift that you'll never return this is the gift that will, you'll, you'll never box up and put away and say, well, I, I don't need it anymore. You must receive this gift. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ today. This is the gift that gives life. If you have received Christ, we must share the gift of his love. This season, when in the midst of all the festivities, in the midst of all the activities, forget not, do not forget to share the greatest gift that you have ever received, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ.